Blog Talk Radio. everyone, and welcome to Intersections Matches Talk Radio, a monthly holistic lifestyle show focused on the continual evolution into the best versions of our authentic selves. This is Jeff Bina, your host, and the founder of Intersections Match, the only matchmaking and dating coaching company focused on South Asian singles throughout North America. As a dating coach and matchmaker, I'm always interested in fresh perspectives from authors, researchers, and experts to help me provide unparalleled service to our clients. Very excited to welcome Paul Oyer to our show today. Paul is a Fred H. Merrill Professor of Economics at the Stanford Graduate School of Business. A former professor at Northwestern University's Kellogg School of Management, he is editor-in-chief of the Journal of Labor Economics. On today's show, we'll be discussing Paul's book, Everything I Ever Needed to Know About Economics, I Learned from Online Dating. Welcome to the show, Paul. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on. And to start with, would love, I'm sure our listeners would love to know what led to your wanting to write this book in the first place. Well, it's I'm a labor economist, so I spend my mm-hmm. life studying the way firms and workers get together. And I hadn't really been on the dating market since before I became an economist, but when I immediate, when I went back to dating, which I did by online dating in about in the summer of two thousand the fall of two thousand and ten I immediately saw the parallels between what I studied as a labor economist and what I was experiencing as somebody out in the dating market. And uh, so at some point it occurred to me that, hey, you know, I really like to talk about every day, how the everyday world is shaped by economics. And this just seemed like an obvious way, uh, starting point for that. That's interesting. What are some of the most obvious parallels um, in understanding economics in terms of online dating techniques and strategies? Well, a couple of things. I mean, again, drawing the parallel to the job market, online dating or any sort of dating or matchmaking, finding a spouse, whatever, is very similar Mm -hmm. to finding a job. Unlike other markets, all the goods are differentiated. So every potential mate is different from one another. Whereas, and similarly, every job is different and every employee is different. So, so the parallels between a firm looking for the right worker and a, and a, um, uh, a person looking for a spouse or just a you know, significant other, they're very strong. Now, the other things that make, it, make them similar in these markets very similar and don't necessarily hold in all the other markets is if I go to buy a can of soda, I can just go buy the can of soda. But if I want okay. – um, to find a job or I want to find a significant other, they have to like me back. <laughs> and that's a very different market dynamic than what we see in, in other types of markets. So the parallels with the job market are striking. The parallels with other markets are also there, but they're a little more subtle. Um, things like um, 
information asymmetry is something we as economists study all the time. So buyers and sellers who have private information that they have incentives to hide from the other side of the market, if you will. And, uh, sure. you know, you see that all the time in dating and you see it all the time in many other markets. Well, it's interesting since you mentioned that. So let me jump to a question I was going to ask you a little later, and that is, is lying or misrepresentation on online sites. Do you, see, do you see that from your experience? Do you find that to be as big of a problem as some people think it is? And regardless, you know, given the economic principles, what can people do about it if, um, if it is prevalent at all? Well, it is, it's quite prevalent. The studies on this are very clear. So my experiences okay. were – I certainly saw some exaggeration uh, or outright lying. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Now, there's, there's two kinds of lying. There's what an economist would call cheap talk, and that's rational, rationally deciding to misrepresent yourself about your age or your weight or something like that. There's a whole okay. other set of lying that, that we as economists aren't very good at understanding, and that's one of the limits to sort of using economics to, to explain dating, and that is lying to yourself. So I, yes. saw, just as, I saw a lot of people, when I dated, and, you, and the, docu- the documentation on this is very strong, you see a lot of people who say they're a certain age who are actually older than that, or they say they're a certain body type and they don't really look like that. And then there's a whole other kind of lying, which we as economists aren't very good at explaining, I think, and that's, that's lying to yourself. So I met a lot of people in my online dating days whose profile said they were very optimistic or they were a lot of fun or something like that. And that type of lying is harder for, for to put in an economic context. Now, what should you do about it? Well, the thing the thing you can do about it is, unfortunately – there's not much. You just have to play defense, if you will. You have to keep in mind when you're reading a profile that, that uh, you have to discount it. So, again, the, the, the parallels to the job market are very strong because whenever you go to hire somebody and read their resume, you discount what they say on their resume a little bit because you know they're padding the truth, if not lying. Well, the same has to go in online dating. Um, you have to. You should sort of set your expectations up that the person who's going to show up at that first date doesn't look exactly like their description of themselves, and maybe they're not going to have exactly some of the uh, other things that they say they will. Interesting. Um, and you know, that's in terms of the distinction you make. I love it because you know, like if, if one's self-perception is you know is that, then it can be really difficult to kind of parse that out. I'm wondering. Um, along those lines, your economic mindset, um, wondering how else it helps give you an edge, you know, as you mentioned in, in your, with your experiences. How, how do you feel that your economic mindset, the principles of economics, um, helped you kind of navigate the whole online dating market? Well, I think there are a few a few simple principles that economics would provide for you. And I think they're not, they're not earth shattering, but they're certainly helpful. And one of them is to think about where you can find a big market for the type of person you're looking for. This is what an economist okay. would call looking for a thick market. So um, what you want to do is think about, okay, you know, I would rather be on match.com than on some little local dating site because the choices are going to be much greater or OkCupid or some other large dating site. The choices are going to be much greater. So that's that's one sort of now having said that, you know, you're you you're focusing on a market that's a little smaller, not smaller, but a little more directed at a certain type of of consumer. And so there are all these niche dating sites out there that that fail the basic idea of having the thickest market or the biggest market possible. And I think a lot of those 
dating site, a lot of those smaller sites are doomed to failure. Something like tennisdate.com or veggiedate.com or glutenfreesingles.com. All of these <laughs> things which, which exist, and they take so many people out of the market without sort of um, – they take so many people potential mates out of your market that I think they're yeah. going to be very problematic and most people won't do it. Now, now, you know, when we focus in on the, um, how do you describe your market? It's South, Southeast Asian. Is that, is that well, the proper? Yeah. So we do, yeah. So let me, let me clarify. So yes, our clientele in terms of our matchmaking is, um, you know, it's South Asians, which are predominantly Indian, Indian Americans. Uh-huh. Um, right. I will say though, that our, our listeners, Ban all ethnicities. So, um, so certainly, please speak to every right. uh, all ethnicities well, in terms of the um, our listeners. Here. Well, yeah. But I, I, I'll just use the South South Asians as an example. Okay. That's a, sure. Suppose you were only interested in dating South Asians. That's actually okay. a market where you can imagine a site that's focused on just that niche in the market surviving. And you see yeah. a few of these niche sites that survive because the critical mass is thick enough in that market alone for it to work. And sure. if a lot of the people who are in that market believe someone else being from that same market is a deal breaker, then these sites can survive. So better, a really good example is, is christianmingle.com. Very successful okay. site oriented towards the Christian world. And the reason that that that, that sort of takes away from my point before about you want the biggest market possible. The reason they're able to get away with it is they are in many ways a very big market given that you want to only be interested in – given that you want to focus on the Christian market, okay, and that, and that that's a deal breaker for many people. So the basic principle is go to the biggest market possible, but if, if you can limit – if you want to limit – what you're looking for, try to do it in ways where there is still a very big pool of those types of people. So limiting yourself to Christians or South Asians, that's okay. Limiting yourself to gluten-free people, that's you know something you might want to reassess whether that whether or not that makes a lot of sense. Um, sure, so that's one, sure. That's one I, one no, principle. A, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I think you make a great point because that's very consistent with what you said before in terms of if it is a deal breaker, the religion, let's say, if it's not if being yep. non Christian is a deal breaker, then look for the largest pool of uh, Christians you can anywhere. Right. And so exactly. the, the argument is here we go. It's it's Christian you know dot com. Um wonderful. Um and I didn't want to interrupt you. Go ahead. Keep going. Well, I was gonna say another another piece of advice that I think, you know, might not seem like it's economics, but it, but to me it is, and I think is very helpful to me and many others is when you look at a lot of people look at their online dating profile and they sort of see them they try to see themselves in an honest light and so forth. But what you need to ask yourself isn't what you're seeing on the online dating site, but what other, what people are assuming about your profile when they look at it that you haven't said. So ah, um, tell us for about that, this. Yeah. Well, I mean, we can come up with very, uh, various examples. I mean, I've looked at, you know, people's profiles who indic- they want to indicate that they're having a lot of fun, that they're very fun-loving. But if you do that in a Absolutely. certain way, people will assume you're not serious at the same time. And so anybody who wants a serious relationship will be pushed away. So you have to sort of balance the fun versus, you know, whatnot um, versus serious balance carefully because – you people will what we call statistically discriminate. They'll assume certain attributes about you 
if you don't specifically address them if you have certain other attributes. Another really good example of this was my own, my own example. I was um, separated rather than divorced when I started online dating. And people okay. make assumptions about you. People make assumptions sure. that you're, you're not really over your um, marriage yet or that you might still yeah. even go back to your ex-wife. Um, and, you know, that, 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 made, that made me less popular than I hopefully otherwise would have been as a result. So it's these assumptions people make about, your site, about, your, about you based on your profile that you want to really try to figure out and, and address ahead of time. Okay, well, kind of dovetailing that that then, um, if those are some reasons, uh, sort of deterrence effects for people, which people have you found, or you know, even applying economic principles there, which people are most sought after on online dating <laughs> sites? Have you seen any patterns in terms of that? I'm sure you have. But go ahead. Well, the research on this is very clear, and and it's um mm-hmm. it's a little bit it's a little bit disappointing in some way, but it's just the way human nature is. Okay. If, if you if you our stereotypes about what men and women are interested in turn out to be true. So the best, on average, and there are many exceptions to this, on average, mm-hmm. men care about how women look. That's the number one thing that drives their interest in women and who they send messages to and who they want to go on dates with. And women okay. are interested in how much money men make. That's the num- Again, you know, there are women who care much more about looks and women who care about other mm-hmm. things. But if you sort of just take the broad pattern, what's the most predictive factor of what women are interested in? It's how much money the other the man makes. Now, this is on heterosexual sites. Things might work out a little differently on single-sex sites. The the research is a little less uh, – hasn't been done really very well there yet. But on heterosexual sites, those two stereotypes actually hold quite clearly in the data. Ah, so if okay, you want if okay. you want to appear if you want to appear attractive and you're a woman, make sure your picture looks good and that you look good when the time comes and so forth. And if you're a man, uh, you know, making more money isn't the worst thing you can you know. Are, being clear that you have a fair amount of money without being ostentatious about it on your web on your dating profile is going to help uh, at least get you first dates. Then you then you also have to be a decent person. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There. Now, did you? I'm curious. You know, did you tell the uh, the women that you were dating since um, when you were when you were online dating? Did you tell them about your book project? And if, and if so, um, what what kind of comments, if any, did you get? What, what did they think about it? Well, I wouldn't usually mention it right off the bat, but within a couple of days, yeah. when I when when if it was going anywhere, I would certainly mention it because I didn't want anybody to think I was being. Uh, using them as data or something like that. Um, the, the, so as a result, there was a, what you'd call a selected sample because the only people I mentioned it to are the ones who I at least, you know, where we both had at least enough interest to get to the third date or something like that. Now, conditional okay. on that, it, it was never a problem. They always, you know, found it. The, my current girlfriend, well, I, my girlfriend, we've been going out for two and a half years now, she certainly didn't mind and and thought it was all very entertaining. Of course, she's a social scientist, so by nature she would she would th- she's a political scientist. She would think that was fine. But the other women I talked to as well generally were thought it was uh, you know interesting and amusing rather than sort of being in any way offended by it. Okay, all right, and um, 
want to okay I, in terms of the economic principles i love you've mentioned some already which you know in terms of statistically discriminating that are that are very interesting any other economic principles maybe pick one or two that you can share with our with our audience some of which will include economists like yourself in that sense that they can really start to look at that principle in apply you know applied to this whole dating arena and in a different light anything you can well, well, one idea, one idea. So some of the, some of the, in order to apply certain ideas from economics, you need a little help from the dating site or an outsider. So as an example, okay. one thing that would be nice would be if dating sites helped us by verifying people's weight and age and salaries and things like that. And there are a couple of foreign websites that do that. So, so sometimes it's hard for us to apply these principles without some help from the dating site. And a really good example where one dating site helped some people apply it, but you can think about applying this idea on your own, is, is it the economic concept of signaling. And so this is a very important idea in economics and in certain contexts. It doesn't apply all the time. It doesn't apply in every context, but once in a while you can find a place to apply it. So the simple idea is how can I take my, take my statement that is otherwise cheap talk and the person will discount it and not know whether or not I'm telling the truth. How can I make it credible? And so okay. what you want to do, when what, how does signaling work? Well, we want to think about ways that I can separate myself from those who are lying and trying to look more like me, but, you know, there's no way of, of knowing. So there's no way of knowing who's who. So an example would be if I write a if I write an email to a woman and I say, "Hey, I saw your profile. Looks like we might hit it off. Let's get together." That's not real. That's that's just cheap talk. I could be sending hundreds of those identical emails. In fact, you know the term. Sure. I bet you say that to all the guys or all the girls has been around. <laughs> a lot longer than online dating and that's just basically saying yeah. look that's cheap talk when you tell me you you're very attracted to me. So how do I how do I turn my cheap talk credible? Well there was a dating site in Korea that helped this uh during at least one period and what they did was they said over a certain period of time everybody could send as many messages as they wanted to try to initiate dates but they only had two what were called virtual roses. And these virtual roses were, you would send them and they basically were credibly signaling to the other person that, hey, I'm very interested in you. And in fact, you're one of at least the two most interesting people to me that I've seen on this site oh, because I only get to send two people this spe special message. And again, I think the job market would be a great place to apply this same idea, you know, on monster.com or something if they had a way of saying, only one once or on LinkedIn, you could send one virtual rose per month to an employer saying, hey, you're the company I really want to work for. And I'm only allowed to say this to one company at a time. So it must be true. But anyway, in the case of the Korean dating site, it, it worked very well. It helped people. It, it increased the probability of somebody when you sent a virtual rose, that increased the probability of somebody responding quite dramatically. And so, you know, and especially, it was especially effective among people who were moderately attractive. So the dating site was able to figure out who were the people that were so popular, you know, the most popular people. For them, getting the signal didn't really matter because they already sort of take the example of the prettiest woman on the site if she gets one yeah. of these virtual roses she's like oh yes but of course everybody's attracted to me so you know what does that mean but when they were sent to people who were moderately attractive they had a huge effect because these people 
you know, we're getting a lot of messages, some of whom were and weren't, were serious and some of whom weren't, and this put a lot of credibility behind it. Now, not every website's going to do this, so you have to think about your own ways of signaling. And, and the way I always felt about this was when I would send a message, I, in order to convey that, hey, I am actually interested in you and I've given this some thought, I would make sure there was at least a little bit of personalization in my message. So instead of saying, hey, I really like your profile, let's get together, which apparently is the vast majority of messages that come from men say something very similar yeah. to what I just said <laughs> – I would at least add a few lines about, oh, you know, that's my favorite. You know, I, that television show I really, that you mentioned you like, I really like too. That book you really liked, I didn't like so much, but, you know, here's why or something like that. Just something to show that I had actually thought it through and that I was interested in them beyond just sort of fishing for, you know, a date or something like that. So that's that's one way to apply signaling. And like I said, hopefully someday we'll – companies will be a little more creative about thinking about how to apply that idea in the job market. Yeah. And I want to actually, I want to go a little further with the two roses because I, I find that very interesting. And I wanted to find out, you know how you hear that, you know, maybe about 20% of people on any given site get, get 80% of the messages right along the line yeah. of what yeah. you just said, you know, they're pretty, so, um, so did, and I don't know if the study did this, but was there any looking at, okay, so now if people knew that, right, that um, they only have right. two roses, would they modify their behavior and choose not to just kind of throw their rose at sort of the top 20% if they thought they may not, you know, have a shot at that, right, to not waste their opportunity in that sense? Well, I'm just curious, since you mentioned that, any anything about that? Or? I, can't re- I can't remember if it affected <laughs> – it had a big effect on who the roses were sent to. It yeah. definitely, like okay. I said, how attractive you were had a big effect on how valuable the rose was. Sure. Um, sure. You know, I think over time, in the beginning, you know, these, this was a one-time thing, and I'm not sure that everybody was as effective as they could have been at using their rose. But I think over time, right. people would learn how to apply them, and, and I think you would see that it would affect their behavior. But some sometimes in economics, we need a little bit of time to get to what's you know, what we would refer to as an equilibrium. And, and this one-time experiment may not have gotten us there. It may have. I just, okay. to be honest, I don't remember that from the study. Oh, that's interesting. I find that very interesting. Um, now, you had mentioned, you know, that you think maybe the niche sites, given the, the deep market that you had mentioned, that, or the thick market, I'm sorry, the thick market, that the, um, the, you know, these niche sites that are, that are, very, you have very small pools given given a particular niche, kind of might go. You didn't say this word, but maybe disappear, or go extinct. What do you think the What do you think the online dating center of the future might look like? Any ideas? Oh, that's on a that really good, it's a really good question. Um, so what I'm what I'm very hopeful for, although I often wonder if I'm just being unrealistic about this, is that the dating site of the future is going to be the one that has the better that the the really successful dating sites are going to be the one that figure out how to match people better, that get the algorithm for matching down. So the problem right now on dating sites is you'll go on and the same, like you said, the same 20% of the people will get all of the messages. And I think the dating sites that over time begin to figure out not just show me everybody and I get to pick, but really nail down, here's somebody who would be good for you and they really and they're really able to validate that methodology and i think um i think that's that's a huge that's going to be a huge advantage and i you know maybe that's not that possible maybe 
just the simple observable things we use now um, are, are all we can really get at. But I'm, I'm just kind of hopeful that someday they'll figure out ways to gather the right information from people and then to uh, really match people better than they did before. So I, I'm, I'm hopeful that that's where we're going. If not, then at least sort of some degree of validation of statements people make so that all the lying um, that keeps some people from even being involved in dating to begin with, um, if we can get rid of that, that would help uh, make the market work a little bit better as, a, as another step. Um, but the other thing is, of course, there's the what I would call the um, sort of segmenting of the dating market now. So I was l older and I was looking for a serious relationship when I was online dating. So I went on Match.com and eventually I met my girlfriend on JDate. Um, these okay. are sites that are generally for people looking for serious relationships. And what we see is this, the my students are, to the degree that they're using any online dating, they're much younger. They tend to be on things like Tinder, which are much more oriented mm -hmm. towards shorter term, just having fun, hooking up types of relationships. And uh, yeah. I think that I think that's fine. There's a that's a great market. I think as my students age, they'll move if it, they'll move to Match.com and sites like that. But for now, there you know this segmentation of the market makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's, it's funny with Tinder. There's jokes that, you know, people can be in a bar and everyone's on Tinder, so no one's really interacting, so it's kind of funny. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so I'm wondering from your experiences, what, the, what are your top three tips that you might give singles um, based on, you know, you, based on economic principles, based on your personal experiences? Top three tips, what might they be? Well, I think, I think um, okay, so one is definitely think about, finding the biggest market, the thickest market, if you will, out there. That's number one. Okay. Num num number two is about credibility. Uh, well, I, I would say number two is keep in mind that people don't always tell the truth and you have to really think through what you can and can't believe about other people. Um, a third one, I'm going to give you four. Sorry, I'm cheating. The sure, fourth is – the. The fourth is this um, is the idea I said before, and I think it's just really critical, and that is getting somebody else who's objective about it to look at your website and tell you what they were what they assume about you that you have because you haven't said it. What are the things that you haven't said that they assume about you? So is it that you drink too you know you're too much of a partier and you're not serious or something like that? And then um, the last the last thing I would say is. Uh, and it's a very, from a very rational economist point of view, I feel very strongly about this. And I know you've had as a, a guest a psychologist who says the same thing, but in very different language, and that's Laurie Gottlieb. And and that is, um, you want to at some point you have to settle. And that sounds like such a negative thing, but it's not. It's it's being it's all about being realistic and it's about saying okay this person maybe isn't so perfect and so forth but when i compare this to the loneliness i'm going to spend in the time that it's going to take me to find somebody better and whether that person is going to like me back and so forth i think you know just being realistic about what you can look for is very very important for sort of having the best possible thing as a con again to draw the parallel to the job market the idea of searching endlessly until you find the perfect one is part of what is is 
leads us to be lonely and so forth. And and it's very similar to the dynamics of the marketplace where firms and workers are constantly looking for, you know, oh, many of them are not willing to settle for the best employee or the best job they can find. And so as a result, we end up with unemployment. And I like to say um, uh, loneliness is really just romantic unemployment. It's all about <laughs> not being able to figure that. out what when to find the right, uh, when to settle for the right match. And the dynamics are very, the, the underlying economics are very similar. That is very interesting. I, I really appreciate your sharing your insights with us, and I'm wondering if there's any last thought or uh, take-home message you'd like to, uh, to leave our listeners with, although I think that what you just said was... <laughs> Yeah, anything anything else? Any other last, Well, um, you know, I think just the simple idea from an economist's point of view would be you've got to be in the market to succeed in the market. And so get out there, put your put yourself out there, take some chances, put yourself on a dating site. And, you know, my my relationship ended up being very successful and we found each other online even though we work 100 yards apart and probably ran into each other all the time but until you go find the market that's thick which in my case was an online dating market you know we and we weren't sort of opening ourselves we didn't we weren't going to find each other even though we were right under each other's noses so get out there find the market that works for you and 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 have at it (laughs) i love that thanks paul it's been a pleasure to have you on Thank you. It's been my pleasure. And in case you joined us late, would like to share the show with people in your life. I'd like to remind you that today's radio show will be archived and available as a podcast on Intersections Match's website, which is www.intersectionsmatch.com. Paul, did you want to share any uh, website with our listeners who may want to get a copy of your book or... Um uh, no, if you just Google Paul Oyer online dating, I think you okay. know you'll find your way to Amazon or wherever else you want to buy the book, and I'd be very grateful for that. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Appreciate you hanging out with us, and make sure to join us for next month's show. Take care, everyone. 